We're not called to be prepared. We are called to be awake. Jesus doesn't expect us to be prepared for everything that life throws at us. But as long as we are awake to the world around us, God can do something wonderful through us. That's the Reverend Dr. Rory Nave, and today he shares a powerful message of faith called The Parable of the Ten Girl Scouts. I'm Dalton Rushing. It's day one. Welcome to Day One, the weekly program that brings you outstanding preachers from America's historic Protestant churches, sharing insight and inspiration from God's Word for your life. Now, here's your host to introduce today's speaker. I'm your guest host, Dalton Rushing, and today on day one, we're pleased to welcome the Reverend Dr. Rory Nave, Senior Pastor of First Baptist Church of Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Before coming to Oak Ridge in 2016, Rory was Senior Pastor of First Baptist Church in Claxton, Georgia. He graduated from Palm Beach Atlantic University with a Bachelor's in Biblical Studies and earned his Master of Divinity degree from Mercer University's McAfee School of Theology in Atlanta, where he also recently received a Doctor of Ministry degree. Rory, welcome to Day One. Thank you. Rory, you've served as Senior Pastor of First Baptist Church of Oak Ridge, Tennessee for over seven years now. Give us a sense of the people at First Baptist and what they're up to. First Baptist Oak Ridge is, um, like most churches in Oak Ridge, Tennessee, in that it's a very eclectic group of people. It's Mm. a science town. So the town was founded during World War II as part of the Manhattan Project. Mm. Uh, I haven't seen Oppenheimer, so I don't know if our town's (laughs) in the movie or not, but uh, it's those kind of folks. And so the first generation has mostly moved on, um, but this next generation is still very much involved in sciences, uh, but it's also a pretty nature-y place. And Uh, So a lot of outdoors folks, and it's a good mix of people. It's a lot of fun. How would you describe the neighborhood your church is in, and what are some of the ways you reach out to the community? So we live what passes for a downtown in Oak Ridge. There's Mm -hmm. no real town center or anything like that. So, But we live in the neighborhood that is um, slightly commercial at our front door, residential at our back door. So we have this odd space of being very front-facing to traffic and the broader community, and then we have a very intimate community in our backyard. We host some things on our front yard that are for the larger community. We have a pumpkin patch every year and invite people to come to that. Um, But we also do some things. We have a, a playground in our backyard where folks come from right across the street and play there every day. Mm. So it's about being open to both of those kind of realities. Sure. You've just completed your doctoral work, and you've earned your Doctor of Ministry degree from Mercer University's McAfee School of Theology. Congratulations. Thank you. You did some very interesting research on using humor to communicate the truth of the parables in the Gospel of Matthew. What did you discover? First, I discovered that as much as I thought I was bringing my own interest to the text— mm-hmm. What I was delighted to find was that Jesus was way out ahead of me. Hmm. 
which is such a comforting experience sure. <laughs> to rediscover again and again. But Jesus' parables are funny. A mm. lot of them are quite funny mm. and ridiculous. Um, you know, I'm preaching this Sunday again about the man who owes a small fortune to a king. And the amount that he owes is something like the national debt of Senegal or something mm. like that. I mean, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. How does one man owe, you know, a national debt? Wow. Um, so it's it's delightful that he's he's putting it in these absurd terms. We're supposed to be delighted and surprised by these stories. Um, and it's it's a wonderful thing to try to then translate that into a sermon. Can I do the same thing or can I do a similar thing? rather, that Jesus was doing when he was telling this parable. You also spent most of your sabbatical last year writing three chapters of a book exploring the synoptic gospels as jokes rather than holy lectures. That sounds a bit heretical. What might that tell us, not just about Jesus, but about preaching today? Yeah, so it's really a continuation of my doctoral research, mm. and I'm very honed in on the parables. So wow. not the whole gospel is a joke, although, uh, you know, the guy comes back in the end, <laughs> so it does have that U-shape comedy plot structure. Sure. But um, no, the parables all function somewhat uniquely, depending on which gospel writer is transmitting the story to mm. us, the audience. You know, Luke's stories tend to be a little more pointed and pokey than um, Matthew's stories, which are a little bit more, what's this strange world that we find ourselves in? Mm. And I find that sermons can have some of those different flavors too. Every now and again, we need to poke people when they're too comfortable, but sometimes it's as fun as giving them a vision of a completely upside down world that they realize makes more sense than the one that we actually live in. (laughs) Most of your ministry experience earlier was working with teens and youth ministry. How did you approach that work? What I found, let me answer that question backwards. <laughs> what I found transitioning from youth ministry to pastoral ministry was that it was essentially the same thing. It was just the communication style changed. Ah. But teenagers and you know grown folks, they crave the same thing, or, or rather they need the same thing. Uh, they want to know that you're paying attention to them, that you they matter to you. They want to know that you are involved in their life and that you care about them. Um, and they also have some of the same questions. Do I belong here? What is my purpose? What am, what am I supposed to be devoting my life to? The same questions, different stages of life. And so they're flavored slightly differently, mm-hmm. but they're they're seeking the same thing. So I don't know. I approached youth ministry actually a lot of the way that I approach pastoral ministry, which is I assume they're all getting bored, so <laughs> I have to keep their attention at all times. Rory, how did you experience your calling to the ministry? Reluctantly. Mm-hmm. I was um, I was probably 12 years old, and I was on my way home with a friend of the family. She was giving me a ride back home. And she asked me what everyone asks a 12-year-old, which is, hey, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I was looking out the window of her car, and I said, you know, I've been thinking about being a pastor, which is a lie. I've never thought about that Hmm. before in my life. But it came out of my mouth, and then for the next six, seven years, I I spent all of my time trying to exactly run away from that thing. Um, And then it was after my senior year in high school, 
I was accepted to a film program mm. in Central Florida, and I couldn't run away any longer. Wow. And I accepted the call and uh, dropped out of that school and went to a local school and mm-hmm. studied the Bible and never stopped. Rory, your sermon today focuses on Jesus's parable of the ten bridesmaids and their lamps with or without oil from Matthew chapter 25. Would you read your scripture for us? I'd be happy to. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a shout, Look, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, Truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. The word of God for the people of God. And thanks be to God. So I'm hearing this through the lens of comedy, and it does sound a bit like a situation comedy plot. What stood out for you here as you prepared your sermon? Yeah, at first it sounded ridiculous, exactly like a situation comedy plot of why are we focused in on this one inane detail Mm. on whether someone is wise or foolish? Mm. And so... I don't know. I I didn't want to originally do this text when I read it Mm -hmm. as one of the options. And then, I don't know, it's like all of Jesus' stories. It sort of picks at you and pokes Mm -hmm. at you and demands another listening, another reading. Um, I think that's what good comedy does, Mm. is that it pokes and prods at you and makes you think about it again or even think about the world again because you may have missed something. Mm. Well, Rory, we look forward to hearing your message on this called The Parable of the Ten Girl Scouts. Thanks for sharing it with us. Thanks. If you'd like to listen again to today's program with Rory Nave with an extended interview, you can subscribe on your favorite podcast app to Day One Weekly Program, or you can stream or download it on our website at dayone.org. And if you'd like a free printed sermon transcript, just call us at 404-815-9110. That's This is probably not your favorite parable. Don't feel bad. It's not most folks' favorite. Even the scholars who pretend to love all the parables equally don't really care for this one. 
It doesn't have a happy ending like the one with the kind Samaritan or the woman who finds her lost coin. This parable has five women who make it to the party and an equal amount who get the door shut in their collective faces. It's a coin flip and all based on whether or not you thought to pack a flask of lighter fluid. Yikes. I'll confess that when I selected this passage for today, it was not my first choice. It's not my favorite parable either. At least in my case, and maybe in yours too, I assumed the parable was about something that it wasn't. I bet more than one of us thought about, why is this groom acting all high and mighty when he is the one who was late to begin with? How many of us heard the parable and thought to ourselves, well, why didn't those other bridesmaids share? I mean, they couldn't spare even a little bit, really? It's quite easy to focus on the wrong detail in this parable, the oil. And that's what the story is about. The wise have oil, the foolish do not have oil. So we ought to have oil, spiritually speaking. But here's the truth about weddings. It could have been anything. If it wasn't lamp oil, it would have been something else. What if all of their fancy bridesmaid updo started falling out? Then we would be talking about Aquanet and bobby pins. All those wise women with their flasks of oil would have been sunk because they had to go back to the hairdresser. Or what if their dresses got wrinkled while they were napping? Now we need a 24-hour dry cleaner. It could have been dozens of things that could have gone wrong that night. Maybe some of the so-called foolish women buying lamp oil had a sewing kit in their back pocket, but the judges aren't judging on hemlines. All of that is based on the wrong detail, because this parable isn't about being prepared. Jesus isn't trying to instill in his disciples a habit of carrying around kerosene or bobby pins or a tackle box or a hank of paracord. This isn't the parable of the ten Girl Scouts who should all be very prepared. And it's a good thing because we can never be prepared for everything that life throws at us. There comes a moment in every trip that I've ever taken away from home when my wife and I will be packing our bags and we're checking all the random assortment of useless things that our children decide to pack in their bags, and we're running through our checklist. Do we have aspirin? Lord knows we will need it. Did we pack enough socks? I may have forgotten chapstick. Should we go back? We're only 10 minutes away, and that's when the moment comes. It's about 10 minutes after we leave, and it's the moment that we have to remind ourselves of this. They have stores there. Maybe we forgot sunscreen, but you know what? They have stores there. Someone gets a paper cut, and we don't have bandages, but they have stores there. We're already on the road and it's too late to prepare for everything now, but it's okay because they have stores there. The point of this parable is not to be prepared. The point is to keep awake. All ten women made the same mistake. They slept. Wise and foolish, both groups gave in to the drowsies, hit the snooze button, and almost missed the whole thing. The problem could have been anything, but if they had been awake to notice, they could have handled it. If someone's seam ripped at seven, they could have fixed it. 
If they needed to make a burrito run at 8, they'd have handled it. If there was a shoe emergency at 9 or a freshen up at 10 or the oil gave out at 11 and they were still awake, they could have addressed the issue. But they were, all of them, asleep. They missed the chance to respond and now they're caught in a situation of nothing more than blind luck. The good news is that Jesus doesn't expect us to have blind luck on our side. Jesus doesn't want us to have a flask of oil or five bobby pins or an ironing board and a pack of gum. We're not called to be prepared. We are called to be awake. There will be situations and people that we will never be able to predict or prepare for. But as long as we are awake to the world around us, God can do something wonderful through us. I got a call recently from my mother around dinner time, and I knew it must be pretty urgent because she knows better than to get between me and my meal. As soon as she started talking, I knew something had happened. Her voice was too energetic, too high-pitched. I had to just listen to figure out what it was. She was just leaving work, which for her is a big downtown hospital. She's making her way through the roundabouts on the campus when she sees a man in a hospital gown walking up a grassy hill right next to the highway. She's on speakerphone with her coworker at the time, and she says, you know, I think a patient might have run away and I might need security. Do you know what their extension is? And her friend says, no, I don't. And my mom says, I don't know either. I should, though. Why don't I know that? Why don't I have that saved already? She didn't have oil in her lamp, right? So my mom has to pull over to the side of the road there, and she looks up security's number on her phone. She calls them, and she lets them know that there is a patient out here who is awful close to the highway. If only she were prepared, she was thinking. If only she had that number in her phone already, then she could have called faster. But she's still there, and he's still there, and security is going to take a few minutes in order to get there. Now, she doesn't know anything about this man, and she was not prepared for this. But she's there, and he's there. So my mom rolls down her window, and she says to the man, Are you okay? You look like you're having a hard day. And the man says to her, No, I'm not okay. And it turns out that the man really wasn't okay. He'd been in rehab for some time, and his life, as he talked to her about it, had been very rough. So after some minutes of telling her some of his story, he admits something to her. He says, ma'am, I'd been walking around here for the past 10 minutes or so trying to work up the nerve to jump. I was going to try to end it. Without really thinking about it or knowing why exactly she said it, my mother said, God didn't want you to die today. And my mom, you don't know her, but she doesn't really say things like that in her day-to-day life. As you might imagine, the man started crying, and then my mom started crying. After 10 or 15 minutes, security finally gets there, and they take over. And I know about this story because my mom called me almost hysterical after that whole incident had happened, and she wanted to unload everything that she had just been through. 
She was still crying a bit at first, and she was shaky from all of the adrenaline running through her system. And after listening to her story, I said, God obviously put you there for a reason. My mother was not prepared for that encounter. She didn't have the security office saved in her contacts. She had not been trained, at least to my knowledge, in any sort of suicide prevention. She was just a lady going home from work, like all the other cars that were pouring out at 5 o'clock with her from the parking lot that evening. She wasn't prepared for that encounter, but she was awake. She saw someone, and she paid attention to what was going on. She listened to him, and then she spoke to him. She connected with him. She wasn't prepared, but she was awake. Jesus tells us the truth. We don't know the day nor the hour. And that's true of more than just tardy bridegrooms. It's the truth of life. We don't know what's coming. Some things we can prepare for with antacids or storm windows and other things we just can't see coming. We can't predict the path of the storm or what some distracted driver will do on the highway. We can't predict life and therefore we can't prepare for everything. We just can't. The good news today, my friends, is that we don't have to be prepared for everything. We don't have to know the day nor the hour, and we aren't supposed to. We don't have to stock up on lamp oil or bobby pins. We just have to stay awake to the world around us. Because the truth is, we never really know when God is about to show up and sit us down to a feast together. It could be on our way home from work when we see something that causes us to slow down and wonder. It could be waiting on dismissal at school when we happen to listen to a dad talking about his son's anxiety. It could be the person on the other side of the counter looking for all the world like their eyes are open, but you can tell that they are asleep to what is going on around them. My friends, if we can manage to stay awake then we're all going to the party tonight. Would you pray with me? Oh, holy God, we are grateful that you have invited us to a great feast together. Lord, may you cause us to not slumber through our days, but to be awake to the blessings and to the opportunities, the callings that you have placed all around us. Lord, Keep us awake that we might bring others to the feast. And in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our preacher today was the Reverend Dr. Rory Nave pastor of First Baptist Church of Oak Ridge, Tennessee. For a free transcript of his sermon, The Parable of the Ten Girl Scouts, call us at 404-815-9110. That's 404-815-9110. Or write to us at Day 1, 2715 Peachtree Road, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305. 
Please keep in mind that Day One depends on the financial gifts of faithful listeners like you. Send your donation to Day One, 2715 Peachtree Road, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305. We are grateful for your help. Again, our address is Day One, 2715 Peachtree Road, Atlanta, Georgia, 30305. And visit our easy-to-use website at dayone.org where you can listen again to today's program, read the sermon transcript, search the program archives, and much more. That's dayone.org. This is Dalton Rushing. Next week on Day One, we're delighted to welcome the Reverend Mark Feldmeyer, Senior Pastor of St. Andrew United Methodist Church in Highlands Ridge, Colorado. His sermon is titled, The Parable of the Harsh Master. Please join us next time on Day One. Our day one preacher, Rory Knave, offers some final reflections on his sermon today, The Parable of the Ten Girl Scouts. And Rory, thank you for your insight on this parable, which, as you put it, isn't really anybody's favorite. And in light of that, let me ask you a meta question about Jesus' parables. So many of us get sidetracked from his main message by a particular detail or two, like the oil or lack thereof in this parable from Matthew 25. How can we avoid doing that? How can we make sure we see the bigger picture of Jesus' point in his parables? Let's get meta. I love that Mm. question. I think for me, I have to consider Jesus' parables as a whole rather than focusing on one particular parable. In a lot of them, he's actually saying something what seems contrary to something that he's just said. Mm. Uh, And so you have to give it a full hearing. Mm. Um, One of my favorite things that humor can do is surprise us when we think we know where things are going. Mm. And Jesus' parables can do the same thing as long as we're not carrying a bucket load of expectations with us about what we think it's trying to say. Sometimes we have to put those down And it can be hard to put those down if we already assume we know where the train stops. Mm -hmm. So coming in with an open mind Ah. to a fresh reading of the parable, I think helps us to be open to what Jesus is really trying to say. You make a strong case that this parable isn't about being prepared for any emergency so as to miss the coming of the bridegroom. You said the point is to keep awake. All 10 women made the same mistake. They fell asleep. It just so happened that half of them didn't have the oil needed after they woke up. As long as we're awake to the world around us, you said, God can do something wonderful through us. And you shared the very moving story of your mother being awake to a man in desperate need on the highway. She wasn't prepared for that encounter, but she was awake to it. Would you say more about how we might stay awake for these God-given encounters in our own lives? I don't know about you, but a lot of times when I'm driving, I sort of click off and I go into like an autopilot kind Mm -hmm. of mode where I'm not even thinking about the scenery around me. I'm just already in the location where I'm driving to. Mm -hmm. What I find fascinating is my mother was paying attention, even while she was talking on speakerphone, to the world around her. And I find that inspiring and challenging for Mm -hmm. me. Don't 
pass by the Dunkin' Donuts. So don't pass by the same stores that you've been by a hundred times without looking, without paying attention. And it's a call for us to be awake to the person that is sitting right in front of us, to not take them for granted, but to recognize that they are a full human being with a whole story that happened before we got there. Along those lines, I love your last line. If we can manage to stay awake, we're all going to the party tonight. I wonder what's one thing from your sermon today that you hope our listeners will carry with them in the days ahead? I think it's that we don't have to be prepared in order to be useful to God. Hmm. That God is ready to use us whenever we're ready to be used. I take a great comfort in that because I rarely feel prepared for much of anything. Mm -hmm. And yet God chooses to use someone like me. And that gives me a lot of comfort and peace because I know a lot of people who don't feel good enough, Mm. but God uses them anyway. Amen. Amen. Well, Rory Nave, thank you for being with us. Thank you. Day One is the voice of America's historic Protestant churches. Visit us online at dayone.org. Our program is recorded and edited by Donald Jones and produced by Peter Wallace. Thank you for joining us. I'm Sherry Miller wishing you all God's blessings on day one and forever. Forever.